0: Welcome to episode 40 of the Montana Values Podcast. In this show, we'll focus on the heroes, the villains, and the incompetence as we publicly mock those who made a mockery of public service in our last legislative session. Let's get right into it with our host, Tammy Fisher.
1: Today we're doing our Montana legislative wrap-up. We'll talk about the legislative hunt for a red Montana, And whether the tenets of the Republican platform reigned supreme or were marginalized in favor of an unconstitutional or authoritarian principles. Are we a better Montana after this legislative session? Who are the MVPs of the Montana legislature that should be applauded for their efforts? Let's start with the losers of the legislature. Those legislators who couldn't pick the Constitution out of the lineup, who have mutilated the Republican Party platform, and our conservative principles, and who use soundbite politics to implement feel-good legislation that is ultimately of zero value to Montanans. Carl Glimm, who stuck his nose into local government business, into two communities he doesn't even represent, in order to mutilate Republican principles of local control, where government closest to the people should represent the people. He favored big government mandates over local control because local government lawfully implemented regulations that impacted his profession. He served himself, shunning the Republican Party platform for personal gain. To the extent that he argued the state had to take over local government on this issue to, quote, preserve property rights, that's a false assertion because the Republican platform, if he ever bothered to read it, provides the solution. Fix local government by electing conservatives to local government councils. Don't add state Big Brother mandates. Not to be outdone by Carl Glim, we have Matt Regeer, who upped the ante on his attacks on local control. He has ensured our seniors on a fixed income pay for all of the infrastructure costs in Missoula because he repealed the local option gas tax that offset infrastructure costs to tourists. Nope. Nope. Granny gets to fund the roads Californians that visit Glacier Park use. Matt Regeer is convinced that he knows better than Missoulians on how to run their community. Because, you know, he doesn't live in Missoula, so of course he's in the best position to tell Missoulians how to live. Listen, he comes by this hubris honestly. It's really generational in his family. But to be sure, this sod farmer wants to control Missoula's destiny because as an authoritarian, he's smarter than you and he knows best how you should live. He also tried to screw with TIF districts and dictate to local governments their financial planning. Luckily, that one died in committee. Think Glimm and the Regeers care one whit about local control? You know, that principle that is recited ad nauseum in the Montana Republican platform? Oh, hell no. They want to control all
0: of us. Under their eye, folks. Under their eye. These people have literally cornered the market on piety, haughtiness, and superior attitude that we can all spot coming a mile off.
1: Yeah, it's really interesting. These folks want to take us back to before the Revolutionary War in the United States. You know, we fought the Revolutionary War because we wanted to get away from big government principles. We wanted to get away from government sponsored religion. But now, apparently, Glims, Riggers, and a few other folks haven't learned from history and they want to take us right back to before the Revolutionary War. Joining Glim and Ray Gears is the great poobah of the flathead Republican Central Committee, (laughs) John Vagina Checkpoint Fuller. (laughs) Fuller wants every little girl who wants to participate in sports to undergo a vagina check before participating. But only the girls get their dainty bits checked, consistent with his patriarchal, chauvinist view of the world. Boys don't need savings, so their privates undergo no examination. Fuller is convinced women are the weaker sex in need of special treatment, and since boys are the superior sex, women's sports must be rid of any male testosterone because women are just too weak and incapable to overcome the competition. Now, it's interesting because no women's sports advocates actually asked for Fuller's help, but the all-powerful and knowing Fuller ushered it in anyway and also found a way to trample on the fundamental right to parent found in the Constitution. Whatever it takes to, quote, save women from the scourges of society, the scourge du jour being transgender folks. No need to consider the Constitution. No need to read and implement the Republican platform of more freedom and less government. All of that must be mutilated in order to save women and create a new moral order. Under Fuller's eye... All will be right with the world. Just ask him. He'll tell you. Don't forget, folks John,
0: vagina checkpoint, Fuller. The most ineffective legislator award goes to the young Braxton Mitchell. And it was stiff competition with a long list of ineffective wackadoos clamoring for the post. Braxton is a kid who just couldn't get a single bill across the finish line, who mocked the legislative process and whose ideas couldn't even get the support of the second most ineffective legislator from the flathead, Derek Skees. We are all breathing a collective sigh of relief that Skees is termed out in the House. Sadly, though, it appears he continues to seek fame and recognition as a member of the Public Service Commission. His next endeavor, he doesn't have a legitimate job outside of the legislature, so his desire to stay on the government duel is understandable. Mr. Limited Government himself has been suckling off the government teat for eight years and has no desire to be weaned. So watch out for his PSC run. He will guarantee you he is the only person with the intellectual heft to manage the monopoly utilities, despite the fact he has no in-the-trenches energy or executive management experience. Yeah, he's like the Hunter Biden of
1: energy management experience. There are several other legislators that committed legislative malpractice. Every legislator that did zero research before submitting a lobbyist-created bill that was duplicative of current Montana law should be expelled for their legislative malpractice. Every legislator that tried to get in our pants, tried to create solutions for problems that don't exist, and was otherwise willing to forsake the Republican Party platform for personal gain committed legislative malpractice. And for every legislator that voted to favor out-of-state hunters over in-state hunters, you should never, ever be able to hunt in Montana ever again. That is the dumbest legislation I heard of this session, and there were some dumb bills. You don't favor one business over another. Government doesn't get to pick winners and losers. The idea that Montanans have to forfeit their hunting opportunities in order to support the outfitter industry is patently absurd. It's no different than providing for tax relief for Hollywood. It's actually worse because it literally takes the food off of Montana tables. The outfitter businesses can apply for PPP bailout loans, just like every other business in Montana that suffered from COVID. But they shouldn't be unfairly favored over other businesses or Montanans. There was an initiative in 2010 that apparently this legislature forgot about because that initiative ended out-of-state hunting license preference to and to re-up the preference now spits in the face of every Montanan. It's shameful.
0: Maybe we should ask Troy Downing what he thinks.
1: <laughs> I'm sure he's perfectly fine with it. Speaking of shameful, let's take a glimpse at the bills that were passed that blatantly violate Montana's Constitution. So listen, folks, when a legislator refers to themselves as Republican and says they will follow the Constitution, pay attention to see if they really do. Because when they blatantly violate the plain language of the Constitution, they aren't Republican.
0: They aren't constitutionalists. They have no standards at all. For a bird's-eye view of unconstitutional legislation signed by the governor, look at Senate Bills 265 and 266. The Montana
1: Constitution informs us at Article 2, Section 31, ex post facto, obligation of contracts and irrevocable privileges. No ex post facto law, meaning after-the-fact law, nor any law impairing the obligation of contracts or making any irrevocable grant of special privileges, franchises, or immunities shall be passed by the legislature. No law shall be passed by the legislature that impacts contracts. This means the legislature cannot alter contractual obligations. No matter how unfair those obligations are, Because when government alters
0: private contracts between private businesses, that's socialism. So what does SB 265 and SB 266 do?
1: Alters a private contract via legislation. And this is a contract that's been in existence for over 40 years. The goal here is laudable. It's an attempt to save coal strip jobs at the power plant, but it is expanding government into private contracts. And that is a blatant, on its face, violation of Article 2, Section 31 of the Montana Constitution. These two blatantly unconstitutional laws were signed by Governor Gianforte. They nullify, meaning they eliminate, portions of the Colstrip Ownership and Operation Agreement. Senate Bill 266 empowers Montana's Attorney General to tell Colstrip owners how they must maintain the power plant and gives the attorney general the power to fine the coal strip owners, a private business owner, $100,000 a day if they don't comply. So the attorney general, who doesn't know squat about maintenance of a coal fired power plant, gets to tell a private business what type of maintenance that business must do on its property. Senate Bill 265 forces all contract disputes to be settled in Montana instead of Spokane, Washington, where arbitration has taken place since the creation of Colstrip Units 3 and 4. Both of these bills passed, and it was the Democrats that raised the blatant violations of the federal and Montana constitutions. What part about, quote, no law impairing the obligation of contracts shall be passed by the legislature did the Republicans who voted for this bill not understand. And to use blatant violations of our founding documents, our sacred constitutions, as a basis to win political points? Honestly, the great conservatives in histories are rolling over in their graves. These laws that blatantly violate the Constitution are cheered by the governor as Useful retaliation. Give me a break. The governor wishes to retaliate against the state of Washington because Washington's legislature implemented a coal power ban that began in 2025 or that begins in 2025. So to harm another state in implementing its 10th Amendment provided powers, our Republican legislature violates our sacred Montana Constitution for retaliation. The need to retaliate, to seek revenge, is more important than upholding the Constitution. Who are these people? Washington gets to be anti-coal. That's why we don't live in Washington. Their policies don't work for Montana, but Montana doesn't get to violate its own Constitution and In its response and in its zeal to harm Washington for its own lawfully implemented policies, Oregon is following Washington in banning coal energy. And Oregon and Washington currently use coal energy from coal strip. So these actions severely and horribly affect coal strip and coal strip jobs. But the answer isn't to violate our freaking Constitution. The contract provision nullified by this legislation states that Maintenance decisions at the power plant are decided by a majority vote of the owners. So there's a bunch of owners of the coal power plant. The overwhelming majority of the coal strip power plant ownership is in Washington and Oregon. Puget Sound Energy is an original power plant owner dating back to the 70s. Avista Corp, Portland General Electric, and Pacific Corp have been power plant owners since the construction of units three and four at Coal Strip in the early 1980s. Combined, those businesses own 70% of the power plant. Now, newcomers, Talon Energy and Northwest Energy have been power plant owners for less than 12 years. Neither Talon nor Northwestern face coal power bans because we haven't banned coal power in Montana. We like coal in Montana. We like it a lot. And Talon understands too, and its customers have no problem with coal energy. So, the 70% owners voted to do virtually no maintenance. That's what happens in corporations. The majority ownership by majority vote gets to decide the fate of the corporation and all of the maintenance programs. Well, that pissed off Talon and Northwestern because they still need coal energy. But that's a private dispute. And minority owners in business always get screwed when their needs conflict with the majority's needs. That's business. That's free market. But now... Montana legislators that think the structure of voting by the owners of the coal strip plant is unfair think government takeover of private contracts is wise. No kidding. These people that call themselves Republicans want the government to take over this particular corporation and change its corporate documents. It's absurd. If they do this for Northwestern, what other contracts do they want the government to alter? What's the litmus test for government involvement? Big enough lobby? Crying enough? Throw away your Republican principles and the freaking Constitution to affect one outcome? And risk the pillars of American capitalism in our republic? This red Montana is now fully the handmaid's tale.
0: There were more unconstitutional bills passed this year, and we will get to those in depth in our upcoming episodes. Specifically, we are going to take a deep dive into the abortion bills and the bills that affect the form and function of Montana's judiciary. But let's take a look at some wasted money.
1: Most of this comes out of free conference committees, committees that occur in the last week of the session where public meetings aren't held and the legislature can slip their pet projects past the goalie in the hopes that no one pays attention. We have $90,000 allocated over two years for the State Department of Public Health and Human Services to use studying, quote, Medicaid-paid abortions. And the value of this? Zero. What are they going to do in response? reveal to the public what we already know, and then pass another unconstitutional law? Because as we'll discuss in another episode, legal restrictions on abortion are largely blatantly unconstitutional. So legislative bans are a waste of time and money because they're futile. They're not effective. They do nothing to decrease abortions in Montana. Nothing. But go ahead and spend 90K to study what we already know. Women on Medicaid get abortions. No one is surprised by that. Why not just use the 90K to actually increase access to birth control and education so that you can actually cause a dent in the frequency of abortions? Nah, we'll just study it. That's wasted money. More wasted money. Hiring of special counsel to aid legislative investigations. The newly added position, growing government. A political appointee hired by the House Speaker and Senate President would help the legislature exercise its powers to investigate other parts of state government by holding hearings and issuing subpoenas. The addition came as lawmakers making final tweaks to the state budget bill voted to allocate $285,000 to fund the Republicans' investigation into alleged judicial bias. Gosh, I wonder which highly qualified lawyer is going to vie for this position.
0: Maybe Derek Skees. Oh, yeah.
1: Oh, he thinks he's a lawyer, but I don't think he's been to law school, nor is he licensed, but he still might try for it. And what's the litmus test for instituting a legislative investigation? Well, we don't know that yet. It's kind of just anything, right? So it looks like it's a political party saying, hey, we got nothing else going on that fires up the base. So let's take a whack at the judicial branch. How many legislators are we paying for in the off-season to serve on, quote, investigative committees? Big government is the enemy of principled conservatives. Every tax dollar that is spent should be justified to someone's grandmother on a fixed income. And pissing money away to further political agendas isn't a Montana value.
0: More on that in an upcoming episode. While the authoritarians and big government socialists got the most press this year, Good stuff did happen in the legislature. Let's switch our focus now to the winners this year. Education.
1: Montana will be committing more money to trade-based education at community college campuses. The new law increases by 50% the amount of per-pupil state funding that those colleges receive for career and technical ed courses. That's a big win. Another change to the public K-12 through education is a new requirement established by Senate Bill 99 that schools must annually notify parents if their child is slated for sex education classes and inform them of their right to withdraw their child from those classes. I thought this was already law, but it must just be happening in our local school district because I have received these notices for years. I think the school district in the Flathead has just done it right. Similarly, any school Events or assemblies involving human sexuality instruction require parental notification at least 48 hours in advance. Schools must also make all sex ed curriculum materials available for public inspection, and districts are barred from allowing healthcare providers that provide abortion services, such as Planned Parenthood, to provide students with any instruction or course materials on human sexuality or sexually transmitted diseases. This bill works well and keeps those who want to be informed informed. And it's far better than requiring parents to opt in for sex ed. That was just dumb because we have parents in Montana who don't parent. And so opting in means their children go uneducated, not because of a desire to teach them at home, but because of laziness, essentially. So... We think that's a big win for K-12 through education. It's actually been going on in the flathead for years because I've been getting these notices. So our school district has done it right. It's nice that it's going across the state. Medicaid eligibility requirements were tightened up. Continuous monitoring of qualifications for Medicaid advances the goal of eliminating fraud and waste House of Props Chair Lou Jones argued that requiring enrollees to certify that their income and living situations qualify for Medicaid more often, perhaps twice a year, would keep well-paid seasonal workers from freeloading off the program. He's right. Everyone who needs Medicaid should be able to access it, and those who don't need it shouldn't get it. And if income verification biannually is too arduous a requirement, you shouldn't get taxpayer-funded health insurance. We like the part of Senate Bill 402 that requires judges who have been involved in lobbying efforts for or against proposed legislation to recuse themselves from cases involving those laws. That's common sense, and it promotes blind justice. Senate Bill 319, ushered in by Steve Fitzpatrick of Great Falls, requires that any optional student fees supporting organizations such as Montpurg must be opt-in. And prohibit political committees from conducting voter registration, signature gathering, or voter turnout efforts in campus dorms, dining halls, or athletic facilities. Students do have the right to be left alone, folks, and this keeps politics out of areas they don't need to be in to reach students. They can all stand out on the oval if you want to register kids to vote. Mike Hopkins is a winner. He ushered in two bills protecting the right of free speech on publicly funded college campuses in Montana. These bills should have been unnecessary since the right to freedom of speech is enshrined in our Constitution. However, in 2018, the University of Montana prevented a speaker from espousing his beliefs on campus. College is a time and a place, especially at a public university, where ideas from all vantage points should be expressed. And the ability to discern valid information and positions from horseshit, that's where it's learned, is in college. Kudos to Hopkins for his work in this area. We value freedom of speech in Montana, even the speech we don't like or find offensive. Seth Burgley is another winner, making it legal to carry a firearm on public property. I'm not sure this law will get past the Supreme Court because the Board of Regents controls the university system. And this law covers the university system property, but we believe the more law-abiding folks safely carrying guns, the better for Montana. I know there are some folks who are uncomfortable when others carry firearms, but frankly, we aren't those folks. We are very comfortable when we see regular folks like us carrying firearms. The more good guys with guns that outnumber the bad guys, we see that as a good thing. The cops can't be everywhere, especially in Montana. And in particular, in very rural Montana, the wait for law enforcement protection can be ours. So kudos to Mr. Bergley. And when I see law enforcement support of his bill, we know we're headed in the right direction. And for anyone that thinks kids on campus aren't armed anyway, (laughs) I have some oceanfront property in Montana to sell you. This just legalized what's already been happening in Montana And I'd wager there's more firearms in university parking spots in pickup trucks than in the local gun store. Gambling and booze, my favorite topic. Jimmy (laughs) Patelis, he gets an MVP award for legalizing what has been happening in bars across Montana since 1889. Sports boards and their payouts are no longer capped, so we can all continue to bet the boards at our local bars. Jimmy also made more dice games legal. And of course, these have also been occurring in Montana, all these dice games, since the dawn of time, but now the activities are legalized. We can now play Ship Captain and Crew and Yahtzee along with Shake-A-Day and Silo, without threat of arrest. Three cheers and a shot of crown to Jimmy Patelis for turning all of us pastime criminals into consumers. <laughs> Steve Fitzpatrick out of Great Falls helped legalize bracket boards. Also a speakeasy occurrence in Montana since 1889. Bracket boards now operate in the light, out of the cover of darkness, thanks to Fitzpatrick's good work. Senator Ellie Boldman has made home delivery of booze legal. God bless her sweet soul. (laughs) And selling beer at college games is now legal. So those of us that like beer, that's me. No longer limited to the tailgates, we can have it in the stadiums. Let's hope the bathroom lines don't get longer.
0: Privacy and public safety. Hip hip hooray to Frank Garner for making sure the right to privacy in Montana extends to lottery winners. And thanks to Frank for his efforts to increase school bus safety and to try to place more tools in the domestic violence prevention toolbox.
1: And finally, Dave Beatty for shoring up some oversight work of the Transportation Commission. I serve on the Commission, and when Dave Beatty was presented with conflicts in the Commission statutes, he worked hard to fix the issue. Responsive, respectable leader, that's who Dave is. And he does his own investigations and comes to his own conclusions when you give him an issue to consider. We might not agree on everything, but Dave Beatty and Frank Garner set the standard for responsive legislators focused on making their communities and their state a better place for all Montanans. And don't forget folks, there are a lot of legislators on both sides of the aisle that never seek fame, never seek recognition, but continue to advance the ball forward for Montana. If you see them and you know they work for you, thank them. Public service isn't easy work and it's usually thankless. But thank your good legislators when you see them for not being showboats, for not seeking fame, and for always putting Montana and her values first. So that's it, folks. The last four months have been the longest 10 years of our life. <laughs> Lots of twists and turns. Is Red Montana everything you hoped it would be? Let us know. While the lawyers are busy fighting over the lawfulness of these new laws, we will be watching and digging deep in our continuing quest to explore and promote Montana's values.
0: Thank you for taking us with you on your journey today. And we'll see you next time. You've been listening to the Montana Values Podcast. Become a sponsor of the show by going to our website, montanavaluespodcast.com, locating the sponsor page and clicking on the donate button. Subscribe to the show on Podbean or wherever you get your podcasts. Follow us on Twitter and Parlor. Our handle is at mtvalues. What's your favorite Montana value? How do you live it? Write to us. Our email address is montanavaluespodcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, and we'll see you next time.